Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms on YouTube. Like, subscribe there as well. Joining me today, Javon Shepard. Sir, what's up? Sir, playoff basketball, baby. So, yeah, Raptors season is obviously unwinded. Um, probably not the, the ending that anybody wanted or, you know, yeah. any of the fans or enthusiasts, but like you mentioned, we're talking before. Just we we got a lot of really good games going on right now. So still, mm-hmm. still, still good times. Man, the Suns Clippers series. Like I am so excited for Game Three tonight. Yeah, boy, hey, oh boy. It's funny because that actually, you know, in my opinion, that might be the finals. Mm-hmm. Right? That that might very well be the finals, and especially if if the Clips can can get out uh-huh. the first round, and then now you get you know the idea of potential of getting PG back. Kawhi's looking good. Kawhi's Damn really good, bro. Good. So you Damn good. You back into the mix. And, yep. you know, it's funny because Westbrook, he's he's playing some good basketball as well. And I feel like there's this, this added chip on his shoulder for all of the scrutiny and all the criticism he's taken over the last, you know, couple of years. But I yep. actually think this is, this is the, the landing spot for him. He's over the years, he's found a way to harness his energy and his energy is his gift, yeah. you know, but it's also been a bit of a curse at points because he's Absolutely. just so energetic, so fast and he can't slow things down, but it's like, he's channeling all that energy into just being a jerk on defense. Yeah. Like, he's unreal, man. Unreal. He's really set the tone. I feel like, you know, that the Kawhi and, and Wes complement each other in a sense, because like mm. you said, Wes's energy can sometimes be his biggest gift, but it can also be his biggest curse. And you need that person alongside of you that's either going to be the alpha in the room to say, Wes, tone it down. Or, you know, in in this case, Kawhi has a stoic look about him that when he stares at you and those eyes pierce you, you kind of know I got to get myself in check. Yeah. And he's producing, right? And he's producing Mm -hmm. at a different level. So if you have any basketball acumen or IQ, you know, okay, you know what? I got to scale back a bit, get this man the ball, let him do what he yeah. does. I think, to your point, Westbrook is just—he's really picked it up on the defensive end. Um, he's locked and honed in there, and even you know a big play game one, you know him saving the basketball and and keeping it in play off of like I can't remember who the Devin Booker, right? That play, yeah, Devin yeah. Booker was and able to come up with a stop there, key stop. Yeah, um, and we're seeing Kawhi Leonard, the shot maker, man. The 2019 version of him, like has, that is certainly still there. Um, anytime they give him the ball, he's getting to his spot. Ty Lue is so good at organizing plays to get 
his guys at the spots that they want the ball. Yeah, Ty Lue is a he's a he's a player coach, and you can just see yeah. it includes in his in his teammates or permeates throughout his team. And the thing I like that you mentioned there is just it's it's interesting watching KD and Kawhi battle it out. And I'm actually impressed that there's been a good good portions in those in those games where they've actually matched up, you know, one on one. Like him. We know Kawhi's gonna pick him up. Right. Yeah. But KD's been accepting that challenge as well. But just to watch those guys really like navigate the the court and just get to their spots, right? KD's yeah. a bit more creative. It's a bit more poetic. He's got the long range. He's got you know, basically a seven footer with guard skills. So he's mm-hmm. a bit more, you know, off the dribble, but gets to his spots and just elevates. Whereas Kawhi is just Mr. Fundamental. One or two dribbles, maybe three, you know, elevating, slight fade, but he just gets it, right? And just to see yeah. both of those guys completely go against analytics and say, we are going to beast <laughs> on a mid-range game. But uh-huh. that's what you get when you get two feature, you know, primary prolific scores, in this game. hundred percent. We're going to get back to some of this stuff in a, in a second. Um, with Javon, we're going to do some off season questions for the Toronto Raptors. And we're just starting this process. And, um, you know, sometimes you do player recaps and things of that nature. I, I'm not even sure if I'm going to do a lot of that stuff last season. It made more sense because of how the season went this year. I'm like what, why, why are we going to do it? You know, but there are a lot of questions. And one of the biggest ones right off the bat is, why has Masai Ujiri done an end of season presser yet, Javon? <laughs> well, there, there seems to be a lot, you know, <laughs> swirling around and circulating. I think, you know, to that question right there, um, yeah. there's a lot of unanswered questions. There's a lot of uncertainty, which, with us on the outside, are are asking ourselves. So are they from the inside, right? Mm-hmm. And I think you, 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 and Coach Nurse alluded to it in the that pregame press conference a couple of weeks ago, where. You know, you got to take the offseason to evaluate. He's got to take the offseason to evaluate some things. And Very poorly timed comment, but yes, moving and on. You know, I'm not <laughs> mad at it. The timing may have been poor, but I'm not mad at the actual content in the comment, right? And I think that's what you're seeing with, you know, yeah. the front office and right now that that delayed presser. Um, it's just, and I feel the end of the last game, that last game against Chicago, there was an eerie feeling in the arena. I call that game with, with TSN there. And it was just this eerie feeling in the arena once the game was over. Yes, mm-hmm. everybody may have been, you know, shocked by the results or pretty much maybe not shocked because pretty much a microcosm of, of this whole yeah. season. Um, but there was this 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 uncertain feeling. And I think a lot of that had to be with you look at the the composition of the roster right now, and there's so much question marks in terms of free agency. You know, there's question marks in terms of who's the head coach going to be going into next season. In yeah. years past, you had more of an idea of what you were coming back to. It was just, you know, plug and play in a sense. Whereas this is probably the first off season where everybody's left in the dark and everybody's waiting and kind of sitting on edge to see what happens next or where, mm. what direction is this yeah. team going. So, you know, I think a lot of that is, you know, this delayed presser, you want to have some of those answers when they are asked, right? And sure. that would that would probably answer, you know, my best um assumption there. Yeah. I think you're you're onto something with that. And I would res- I respect Masai because I, I think he wants to avoid getting on the stage and saying, I don't know, we're gonna evaluate. We're yeah. thinking about it, we're figuring it out. I think he wants to because he knows too, like the off season has just begun and mm-hmm. there's a lot of work to be done. 
And the first part is deciding where you're going. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think the fan base, the players, coaches, everyone needs to know that now. And Mm -hmm. in order for that to happen, Masai, Bobby and company, they got to figure out what route they're going to go with this. And so um, Josh Lewinberg, he reported that it could be late this week. That would be, I guess, tomorrow or early next week. But again, who knows? Like it could be, it could be even after that. Like this is a very complicated process for the Raptors because of how unexpected this season was. And there's many avenues they could go at this point. So I think also, you know, and I like to look at it from a, a, a broader lens. We've also, I think this, this season was disappointing to many. Yes. But we've also got to look back at last season, right? You had a team that overachieved um, last season, um, exceeded expectations, and was a 48-win season. And it was also that that bar that was set could also be misleading, right? You look at last mm-hmm. year, and you played half the season without fans in the arena. And yep. you also, you know, a number of teams didn't have their full roster coming to Toronto because of the COVID restrictions and so forth, right? So – that is that record a true indicator of that team? We mm. don't know. Now, could it have set the bar too high for this team? And a lot of the fans, a lot of the you know everybody that's, that that is following the, the Raptors organization, are they a bit harsh on this year's mm. team without looking at you know this, this two year lens, this two year because both both seasons kind of rolled into one another, right? Yeah. Um, so I like to look at things holistically now. You know, the, the other side to that is this is this team won a championship in 2019. So there's a new bar set. There's more expectation. There's a different expectation. Mm-hmm. And to have a lackluster season, yeah, some things have to be resolved. Now, do I think this is this is a, a this is a situation where you completely, you know, rid your coach and, you know, completely wash this team in a clean state? I, I do think it's premature for that for the simple reason. I, I do feel like the 2022 season. Uh, could have potentially been misleading given the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, now, that being said, um, there, there are a lot of things to, to answer. And, you know, for this team to be better, in, in my opinion, you you need a couple guys that are just skilled guys, a couple guys that are yeah. just, you know what, flat out hoopers. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm going all over with that. We can we can go on and on about, you know, what well, we're going to get to this stuff for sure. We're going to get to some of this stuff. <laughs> and we'll get into, I'll, I'll let you run the show, man. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll start Nick Nurse, right? Um, that's the thing that's kind of the hot topic right now is will Nick Nurse be back? So if I believe, I mean, reportedly is uh, he has one year remaining on his contract. It's $9 million. If the Raptors were to let him go, they got to eat that 9 million. Not fun. 9 million bucks is a lot of money. I would love $9 million. Um, but then uh, the comment you mentioned that he made in Philly, um, some of the the rumors that have been circulating around the team, just like the season as a whole. And the the common theme during that end of season, uh, media availabilities with all the players, like they kept on saying noise. There was noise. There was noise. And I I took it as trade rumor noise because there were a lot. I mean, like we thought the Raptors are going to be at this point now at the trade deadline when they were going to start making moves and just um, start rebuilding essentially. But they didn't. They kicked the... They can down the court and they sign Jakobertel and and so forth. But um, now they have to make some decisions. And with Nick Nurse, they have to make a decision as well, I guess, uh, to some degree, because I don't think you can go into next season with him in a contract year. 
It's not really how it goes with coaches necessarily. And so you're deciding, do you want to bring him back? Is he your coach uh, for the future? Is he the person that your current players um, want to guide them into this, this next phase of, of the team? Um, these are things that they have to answer. And I go back and forth with this, um, but I want to hear what you think. What do you think? Well, I think, you know, there's, you got to identify two things, right? Does Nick himself want to be here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's one. And, yep. you know, what direction does front office want to go in? So there's, there's two things that you have to, that you really have to evaluate there. Um, if you're looking at this thing based on production and performance, I look at Coach Nurse's his his um, resume, his, his resume rather as a yeah. head coach for this team, and and I think you have a championship. You know, following year you have Coach of the Year. Um, yeah. You know, you've coached the Rookie of the Year. So three out of you have a year. The following year you've you overachieved. Um, yeah. Before to those five years, you've had a a, a pretty prominent and successful resume. Mm-hmm. Right? Now we're talking about that that one year that is that that variable there. Um I don't think it's time to move off of, of Coach Nurse. Um and I think, you know, you also have to listen to the players in the room, right? And I, I've heard a, a couple of them, their sentiments that they've shared is that, you know, he's a big part of the the player that they are today. Sure. Right. So that being said, um, it would allude to, you know, there is some players that are, are connected, um, some players that do have an appreciation for him. And and we never know. You know, I think a lot of this is, you know, these are all valuable players. These are all pieces that, mm. you know, a lot of teams across the league, 29 other teams have vetted. Um, and we, we've seen a trade deadline. There was a lot of noise, so to say, um, because these are valuable pieces. Now, maybe this team just didn't perform the way they should have because it, they just didn't fit the right way. The pieces didn't yeah. fit. Yeah. So I, I I do think you you give that one more shot. You give that a goal. Um, and if the voice, if the the feature players and your your core group of guys in that room are endorsing your head coach and supporting your head coach, I think you still move forward. Right. Sure. Everybody has to be on the same page there. Yeah. Want, then it has to be aligned. Like that's got to be the key piece. Now, if you have mm. one of the three parts that are thinking outside or it doesn't align, then maybe it's something that you explore outside. Yeah. With the, with Nick, like, and especially this team because of how unique they uniquely they're building their roster. And, you know, if we want to say that last season had a bit of a fluke st- uh, side to it, and even like Fred Van Vliet at the end of this season, during his end of season, he was saying that, you know, I don't think we snuck up on anyone this season, last season. Yes. Um, but uh, this season, I think people were ready for us. And in some ways that game six against Philly, was a microcosm of what we saw this entire season. The overloading of the court, the lack of space for Pascal Siakam, teams forcing the Raptors to hit threes and they didn't. They had a lot of issues scoring the ball, mm-hmm. a lot. And I think that was the root of a lot of their problems. Like, yes, the defense was up and down, but you know, human nature suggests that if you're playing defense as hard as they do within a Nick Nurse system and you're not getting the payoff on offense, it's going to hurt your defense too. And yeah. I think we saw that time and time again. And... Obviously, you know, with some of the holes on the roster, um, it was the lack of rim protection, the lack of shooting. Look, you get Yaka Pearl, and guess what? Post All Star, you're fifth in defensive rating, right? So you yeah. address something. You you did. You definitely address something. And, and to your point, I'm always from the belief of at the end of the game when that last buzzer goes, mm. the team with the most points wins, right? So 
Facts. <laughs> defense is great. Defense yeah. is great, but you've got to have an offense to support mm. that, that that defense yeah. and not put too much pressure on it. And I think you know the common theme was again the Raptors won the the possession battles you know majority of the season, right? Mm. So they've got they had opportunities opportunities to score the basketball. Now, if you want to take it to a number standpoint, you want the field goal percentages for your you know at the bottom of the league in three point percentage and field goal percentage, right? Yeah. So you've got to find ways to put the ball in the hole, especially if you're getting the opportunities to point mm. blank. There's no you don't need a there's no offense for that. There's no you know tactics. It's not about basketball IQ or acumen. It's yeah. you have more possessions, put the ball in the hole, you win the game because yeah. you're doing it on one end. Um, but I think a lot, to your point, a lot of times, you know, things became stagnant. Um, there's a lot of pressure on, you know, the fact, the inability to shoot the basketball at a, at a consistent mm-hmm. rate and stretch the, stretch the floor, open up the floor. And again, that is, to me, you know, composition, but at the same time, guys have to develop as well. Um, and, yeah. you know, even Pascal shooting the bat, he's the feature guy. You know, he's got to be able to shoot the ball at a high clip as well to force defenses to play a bit more honest. Collapse, mm-hmm. like, collapse more when he's penetrating and contest when he's on the perimeter, run him off the three point line. That opens up for everybody else. Now, as yep. a feature player, um, to much whom is expected, too much whom is granted, much is expected, right? So there's going to be a lot on your shoulders if you're in that role. And, yeah. you know, I think that's where the office kind of mm-hmm. fluctuated up and down sometimes yeah. because he wanted it. And, you know, sometimes the ball was in his hands a little too stagnant at times. Hmm. But at the same time, you know, everybody on the perimeter didn't necessarily not know shots to make it any easier on him. And that's true. So, but so that's like the one side with Nick is that he didn't have necessarily tools. Um, Raptors were figured out, that kind of stuff. But I think there are some things you you could critique with him. And I wonder if these could be things that end up, you know, biting him in the rear end when we get to that point. Like the lack of bench production, right? And I'm not, I'm, I'm curious how you feel about this. So the lack of bench production, the the lack, the perceived lack of talent off the bench, um, not being able to, you know, get their starters to 35 minutes per game. Do you think, is that the players or, because we know Nick Nurse, right? Like I remember Aaron Rose asked him a question before the play-in game and it was something around like the uniqueness of that game. And Nick's like, every game is a must win to me, right? And that's the Raptors motto, right? We want to win every single game, but at the same time you are trying I think to develop players, players need playing time to develop and not everyone is built like Fred Van Vliet, where you can give them, you know, 10 minutes in their rookie season. And all of a sudden they impress you. Some guys need time reps. They need to fail. They need to get themselves up and then they become something. It's been done time and time again. Look at the Memphis Grizzlies, right? This is what they did. And I I wonder if this is something that, you know, I wonder if this was an error. In, in judgment, it, it may not even be Nick, actually. It could be like the whole front office is talking about this kind of stuff. But ultimately, this is Nick deciding who plays and who doesn't. Well, the, the thing about sports, it's always team, right? Yeah. So there's you're going to have two, three, four right answers and two, four, three things that could be right at the same time, right? Now, now a part of that, yeah, there's, there's times where could Nick as a coach be more creative? Yes, but so can every coach, right? When you mm. when you look back and evaluate, right? You're always yeah. gonna say, How can I get better? That is why these coaches are in the position that they are coaching at the NBA level because they mm. have the ability to adapt, adjust, get better, right? And look in the mirror and acknowledge like self acknowledgement, um, assessment. 
Now, from the player standpoint as well, it's it's interesting because, you know, for, for the season, we've said we need a bench. We need a bench. We need more. Um, we need bench contribution. Well, we've also had two starters go to the bench. So, in theory, you have two start guys that are capable of playing starter minutes and we're logging heavy minutes, producing mm-hmm. now a part of your bench, right? Um, so... It's not about talent. It's not about ability. I think, again, it boils down to composition, right, and, and yeah. the meshing of the guys. And, you know, yeah, your coach could have been more creative, but these are the same players that were logging 30 minutes. When you're talking about Gary Trent Jr., we're talking about Precious Achua. They were yeah. logging every minute to start. now gone to your bench. You should be able to get that same production from those guys. On top of that, I, I think, you know, from the player standpoint, where they have to be better as well, I think sometimes they had their own personal agendas. Uh, that got in the way of team. Hmm. And when you look at the next two years, right, five or six of your 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 top seven guys, top eight in rotation, are in contract years. Now, yeah. we can't dismiss or negate the fact that this is their livelihoods. There's a selfish hmm. part, rightfully so, and that is absolutely fine. You put anybody in that situation, you're going to think about, what my contract may be, what my contract may not be if I don't get the numbers that I need. Yeah. Right. You can't dismiss that. It, it would be unfair to place this, this, this responsibility to them. Oh, hey, be selfish, mm-hmm. just be a team guy, and don't think about, you know, feeding your family. Right. We're unfair to them. So I think sometimes that may have gotten in the way as well. Um, so it's just a wild mix of everything uh that may have contributed to, you know, the the underperforming or underwhelming performances of yeah whether it be bench or starters at times, it's just so many variables. It's true. It's it's true. I wonder if, is he enough of a player coach in today's NBA? And I bring this up because uh, I think of this, these examples are about Gary Trent Jr. Funny that you just mentioned him too. Earlier in the season, when he was first moved to the bench, um, I, I noticed that he found out in a morning shoot around, and it was just written on the board, you know, who the starters were, Right. And then, you know, there were a couple of rumblings here and there. Nick calls him out for his defense. Um, he's called out players in the past through the media, not necessarily going to the player and talking to them. They find out that the coach is calling them out through the media. Things like that, I wonder if they don't jive the same way as they used to with previous generations of players. Well, it's... What do you think? What do you think? Guys- you have you're gonna have days when you love your coach. You're gonna have days when you hate your coach, and it doesn't really yeah. it doesn't matter who you play for, mm. right? Um, when the ball's rolling your way, I'm sure you're gonna be fine with him. When it's not, yeah. you're gonna have some some quirks with him. I, I think personally, you know, whether he's a player coach or not, and it depends on how you define that. You look at the shot distribution amongst his team, and everybody puts up shots. Everybody has the sure. team line. Everybody has freedom to shoot the basketball. If I'm a player, I want to be in that situation because I have the ultimate freedom. It doesn't matter whether the, the, the feature player gets 10, 15, 20 shots. I have the green light to shoot as well. Now, every mm-hmm. player that plays this game is going to tell you, unless they're you know a strictly defensive-minded player, you want that freedom. You want that autonomy to step on the court and feel comfortable taking shots, yeah. right? So, you know, from that sense, I do think he's a player coach. Um now, some of those other things that you mentioned there or other situations, I mean, could you handle them differently? Absolutely. Is there any perfect way to do it? No. Um, you also, you know, there's also times where I, I thought too many guys had freedom, right? So there's 
there's there's so many ways to look at it. There's there's mm. so many styles of coaching. There's also yeah. you, know, you know you have the Tom Thibodeaus, you have Greg Popovich that are just system guys or more. It's more of a dictatorship. So there's no right or wrong answer. Again, it's it's how you guys respond to the coaching. How do they buy in? Um, and and like anything, you know, you could talk about the the most players coach there is. You can talk about the most strict, rigid coach there are. Coaches win, everything's perfectly fine. When they're not winning or they're underperforming, you know, everything has an expiration date, right? So sure. it's going to come a time where people are going to criticize or have questions. No different than than players, right? They, mm-hmm. I think, you know, prime example to me is Kyle Lowry, right? Amazing time here in Toronto. You know, there's, there's points in his career where we start to point fingers and there, you know, people start to have questions about his game, you know, his conditioning, so forth. He goes over to Miami now and he's a, he's the guy coming off of the bench, right? And you signed a, a big deal late in his career for him to be the guy or or the guy alongside the guy coming mm-hmm. off of his bench. So you're whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, there there becomes this time where it's just an expiration. Yeah. Expiration. Hmm. Coaches have that too. Yeah. Coaches have that sometimes too. It's true. Um, but I mean, from a coaching standpoint, like look at these playoffs right now. The other day I watched the Kings boxing one Steph Curry. Look at how the Nets are guarding Joel Embiid. Where do those start? I mentioned those two examples because um, those are things that, you know, Nick Nurse was the one who boxed and won Steph Curry. And uh, the way the Nets are guarding Joel Embiid, um, <clears throat> you know, keeping him away from the basket, showing him lots of bodies, forcing him to move the ball, though he's doing a much better job of that than he used to a few years ago. It's probably because of what the Raptors have thrown at him um, and what Nick Nurse has thrown at him. So, and also like offensive rebounding actually is something that has been trending up throughout this entire season. Um and it seems like that's a focal point of a lot of NBA teams. And the Raptors were the team last season that made it a focal point for them. And um, it's like things like this, that you see that Nick Nurse, what his influence is happening on the league. Teams are paying attention. Coaches are paying attention to him. It's a copycat league, but that just shows that he is still, you know, fitting into the current NBA scope. It's just, I don't know, is he, is he the coach for the yeah, Toronto Raptors right now? It's fair, it's fair to say that Nick Nurse has revolutionized the, the NBA game in yeah. a sense, right? And it's taken it's taken the rest of the league two, three years to catch up to it and adapt mm-hmm. to it. And now you see a lot of the other teams, a lot of other schemes, you know, applying, reapplying his schemes, his tactics, his style, his brand of play. Yeah. So he's had his imprint, his fingerprint on that. And you commend him for that. You tip your hat to him for that. Sure. Uh, despite all the criticism he may have taken this year, look across the league and you see the impact that he's had. Now mm. with that, you know, you also have to continue to evolve because once the rest of the league catches up, it's a copycat league. Yeah. Now somebody has to figure out what's next. So I think he's one of those, those mad scientists that you, you just never know what's going to be next. Um, mm. And you, you just continue to evolve and he can continue to have that sort of impact across yeah. the league. It's a nice little pivot, actually, from what you were saying, because I mentioned that we were going to get back to the Clippers and stuff like that. And uh, Fred Van Vliet made a nice comment um, during his end of season. He was talking about, you know, I think we got to find our identity. we got to find our path. we got to find our way. And it caught me off guard a little bit because, I mean, it's just not something you hear a player say all the time. But you look 
deeper into what he's talking about. And he, I, I hear what he's saying. Like you mentioned the freedom within the Raptors offense, the fact that he started the season coming off an all-star year, he was an off ball shooter. And then by season's end, he's running pick and roll with Yak. And it's one of the feature parts of the Raptors offense. Scotty Barnes, he's a next action big at one point. Then he's a floor spacer. Then he's going back to the role that he was last season, essentially towards the end of the season. It's like there was so much change throughout this year and it was probably them trying to figure things out. It's them trying to accommodate all the moving parts, but I, I don't know if they really have an identity, especially offensively, like defensively. I, I see it. I mean, it's all about aggression and we'll get to that in a second, but I, I wonder if, um, yeah, maybe the vision six, nine, look at the NBA right now, there's a premium on skill versatility versus uh, size versatility, right? Those are the teams that are excelling now. Um, and the Raptors are really lacking that. Like the Clippers, it was crazy the other day. I was watching the game. I'm like, they got four guys on the court right now that could run pick and roll. Yeah. Four guys on the court. Yep. That I was wild. You watch that with Sacramento as well. Yeah. And, you know, to that point, I think identity, and sometimes it gets misconstrued, is you gain your identity off the court, right? You gain that identity mm. when, you know, you're your you're leader or – you know, somebody within that that locker room says, guys, we're going it's we're going out to eat on the road. It's six six yeah. o'clock. Everybody be downstairs. You know, you're getting in Ubers or whatever the case may be. And we're going to a, to a restaurant together. We're doing some team stuff together. We're, we're playing cards together. We're on the road. We're bonding together. That's where you gain your identity. Right. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, the ball isn't tossed up. You play 48 minutes of basketball. Everybody's going to play hard. Everybody's going to dive on the floor. Right. That's that's not your identity. Your identity is. You know, the fact that we we broke bread together, um, I trust you, you trust me. Yeah. Now when you, when you dive on that loose ball and you're you're not able to get it, I'm diving right behind you and I'm t- tipping it into you. And I knew that you were going to have my back, right? That's where you build identity. That's identity. So, um, and it's funny because at the beginning of a season, everybody, you know, you have 30 teams that talk about, you know, they have goals and aspirations of winning a championship. And, you know, we're all going to come play hard for one another and, that is, it's it's almost cliche, but to mm-hmm. me, that identity is developed in that locker room. That identity identity is developed, you know, on when you take those long road trips. <laughs> that identity is developed is when you when rookies are coming in and you know your your veteran guys are the first ones mm-hmm. that they're ready to meet them and just shake a hand or go watch them at summer league and start to build that that camaraderie with them. So. You know, what your identity is starts way before training camp in October. And I think that's where, you know, we, who knows? I, I don't know if this team was as close or maybe they're a little disjoint. I think yeah. they really like each other. But in terms of that chemistry and cohesiveness, you mm-hmm. know, how many times do we break bread together? So what do you think he meant by that comment? We need to find our identity. Is he talking, like, what is he, what was he talking about? Well, I think, I think like we've seen all season, he just, there was points where, we just needed to come together, right? And we also, when you needed a big play down the stretch, and I think even Chris Boucher alluded to, you know, these fake comebacks. Um, it was a number of those, and you know that kind yeah. of went viral, and people had fun with that. But yeah, you know, find, finding our identity is the ability to come together and make mm. a make a big play. The ability to come yeah. together and you know trust that what was drawn up in the huddle, we have the ability to execute it, and my teammates going to have my back. You know, helping mm-hmm. to help, um, trusting that, you know, I'm going to keep my man in front of me and get this stop right here. So it's, you know, it's not just going out and, 
hey, I'm going to get up in the defense and scream, ah, defense, pull up my shorts and hike up my shorts and, you know, play the six slap nine the floor. basketball, slap the floors. <laughs> what does that mean? It's, it's yeah. empty calories, right? It's empty calories if everybody's not doing it together. And for everybody mm. to do it together, we've got to have, you know, a hell of a relationship off the court as well. I was doing some uh, looking around of numbers, uh, Pulse All-Star and the Raptors in clutch time. Pulse All-Star, they were 28th in true shooting percentage, 23rd in net rating, 28th in offensive rating, and 14th in defensive rating in clutch time. To what you were talking about, all the fake comebacks, all the times that they almost won, but then they didn't, similar to that Bulls game, which uh, I'm sure all these stats would uh, probably uphold um, for that game as well. It was a big problem. I don't think at any point really the Raptors – I mean, they they knew what they wanted to run. Like they they had their pet plays, you know, the Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet pick and roll. But there was just always something that just would go wrong. Um, it's like these. It's it's a chemistry. It was turnovers. It was an array of things. But it was always something. Yeah. At, to add to that, winning isn't easy, right? Winning yeah. is actually really really hard. And sometimes you have to go through these times as well. Um, and yeah. like, I think Jack Armstrong said this. Uh, you know weeks ago on a broadcast, winning a championship sometimes sets um, organizations back Yeah, because you have a number of guys that have now increased their value in the marketplace. They move on or you always have key pieces, veteran pieces that are on your team um, that are now like on their way out. And those veteran pieces, like we've seen in the Mark Gasol and the Ibaka, that were at the tail ends of their career in terms of performance and production. But at the peak in terms Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. To holding a locker room together, yeah. right? So, you know, I, and I, I look at this group here and yeah, underwhelming season. Everybody's a bit disappointed. But you remember all these feelings, right? That you've gone through the mix of emotions, the highs, the lows, and you gained a tremendous amount of experience because you've been in a number of tight games. It wasn't like this team was getting blown out, you know, night in, night out. Yeah. You've been in a number of tight games, um, you know, tight game scenarios and situations where, you know, going forward, especially for a guy like Scotty, I've been here now, right? Now, I know how to value this possession. I know how to value, you know, shot uh, time and score on the clock. So there's more of importance, there's more value placed on that when there's three minutes to go in a game to come out with the victory and how much, yeah. you know, I, I've got to come up with this big play or that big play, or whether I'm not making the play, I've got to communicate mm. to my teammates what's happening on the court. So there's still a tremendous amount of value in this season right here. 
So the Raptors vision, like the six nine thing that they've been pursuing. Um, I remember Masai Ujiri, I believe it was at the beginning of last season or maybe the end, but he was saying something like, you got to have a vision and you kind of like, in terms of trying to get a new next title, right? And he was alluding to the Warriors, how they found theirs and the Raptors found theirs um, during their 2019 year. But you got to have a vision and you just have to pursue it and hope hope, hope it works, right? Yeah. And I, I wonder that, um, I mentioned like the, the skill versatility versus defensive versatility, size versatility, that difference. And that showed itself, I think, with some of the problems they had this season. If you talk about shooting, if you're talking about um, finishing around the rim, finishing from actually anywhere on the court. Um, some of these traits are things that are prominent in guards and smaller players, right? And uh, with the NBA now, the teams that are most successful, obviously, skills at a premium. You need a few skilled guys, or at least you got to decide which way you want to go. Either you have like your Joel Embiid and you build around him, or maybe you have a few perimeter players and you just have a lot of players that have a lot of different facets to their game, right? Like you can't really pick them apart. You can't play them off the court. We talk about playing a person off the court defensively. Sometimes you can't play them off the court offensively either, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you look at it from that scope, you know, the Raptors, they don't have a lot of that, right? And they're hoping those players get there, right? But this goes back to that question, developing while you're trying to win is hard. It's hard to do that, especially when players need those reps and you're trying to win games at the same time. Having a vision is all trial and error, excuse me, trial and error as well in terms yeah. of, you know, is it working? How long, how much patience do we have? Um, and also just evaluating the rest of the NBA. Where is the, the rest of the NBA going, right? And mm. I think that that six eight six nine cross the board vision, I, I completely understand it. Remember, you know, we're in, we were in a league where, LeBron James dominated, right? And Kevin Durant dominated. We had all these guys that were 6'8", um, 6'9", that were versatile. And you also start to see now that those guys are aging, right? You yeah. know, LeBron and, and KD, and they can't do the same things that they, they used to uh, at mm -hmm. this age. It just takes that much more energy out of them, right? So you're starting to see, okay, those guys are, are physically playing at, you know, great levels, extremely high level at the same time, but they're, they're also fading out, right? Sure. We know the tail end of their careers. Yep. And when they were at the peak, they influenced the, what teams were looking for, what teams were drafting to compete and, and not only stop those guys, but you want to find the next one, right? So they're on their, their tail, you know, the tail end of their careers. And you start to see the success of, you know, these, these, a number of guards and skilled players again, you see the transition in the league, right? So now I feel like this is going to be an influx and you're going to see those those draft picks start to come in and, and the team start to identify highly skilled players that can play one, two, three positions, uh, that can defend three positions, but at the same time, very skilled. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a there's a big part of that. Um, and then does that, does that adjust? Does that... Do you pivot in your vision um, as as the league adjusts, or mm. do you stay pat, right? And that's you know we they we, these teams have a lot more resources than you and I have. We're sitting here talking about sure, basketball. sure, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I got you. have all the analytics, all the you know the scouts and pe people who have played paid really well to identify talents at you know young ages and also mm. research the research on the NBA and the way it's trending, right? So. I think we also we are seeing a bit more of that, that skilled brand of play that you're mentioning. And you've got to 
you know, it's it's a risk. There's risk and reward. And yeah. you decide, do you stay pat or is that is that time again? And here's that word. Has that expired? Mm. My worry about trying to develop some of these, I mean, power forwards really to become shooters is that there is a ceiling to it where they will only become league average, tops, league average, right? While the NBA is showing us that, you know, some of the best teams in the league, right? You might have, need to have two guys, maybe even three above league average shooters um, within your starting lineup or overall, actually, in your starting lineup, you got to have at least four shooters, really, right? Um, and looking at uh, Pulse All-Star, the 10 worst three-point shooting teams, the Nets and Nuggets were in there, um, the Nuggets oddly, but all the other teams were not playoff teams, right? And I guess now the Raptors are kind of banking on Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes. Like they both dipped down 2% in their three-point shooting percentage this season uh, compared to last year. Um, if you're looking at how those two can can coexist along with the with the Yaka Pertle, um, you need somebody to level up quite a bit. And it's not going to be, obviously, it's not going to be Yaka Pertle. Um, I don't even think it should be Scotty Barnes because he's so early in his career. He's got so much to learn. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at Pascal Siakam to 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 level up in this area, but you know, composition as you mentioned, right? With your starting lineup, I think this was probably one of the biggest issues with the team is that there wasn't enough guard play for players with the the skill set of guards to help the other players get to their spots and get them open looks and things things like that. And even the starting line, lineup that they ended with, I don't know, it's it's not really it actually. Right, you're still missing shooting, and I'm I'm not sure if that's the the route to to go. Like I like all the players; I think they have a lot of talent. We know this. Um, I just think that the the composition, um, how you're building your roster now, especially with how the NBA is going and uh, the need for scoring, like you have to score the ball now, right? Even like the, during the championship year, you could get away with being you know an, a, a mediocre offense. That was four years ago, and now you can't. Yeah, yeah, composition again. But I think, you know, sometimes I hear all these numbers, and the numbers are great, whatever. But players yeah. got to play, right? At the end of the day, they're not, we're not, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a game of read and react. It's not a game of algorithms. It's not It's not math, right? So these yeah. guys got to go out. You got to be reactive. You got to have counters to your game. Um, you know, coaches got to put you in a position They've got to identify the strengths and the weaknesses of their team and put you in a position to score as well. Um, the team definitely needed some shooting, uh, but could, you know, maybe if you have one or two more creative or skilled guys, that opens up, you know, shots for a lot of these other guys, right? And you see a completely different team in yeah. terms of percentages. So, uh, again, there's a lot of variables there. And I know a lot of people are high on the numbers and the percents here, the percents there. But, again, you can have a completely different team with one or two changes. Um, mm. I think that's, you know, I, I can't harp on these guys being poor players because there's a reason why there's a, there's a big reason why every team across the league, 29 other teams, you know, we're looking at Toronto on trade at trade deadline to get one or two pieces from this team to be it that they can change the complexion of a, of an, of a organization. Right. So, um, yeah, they've got it. Guys got to go out there. They just got to hoop. They got to. Sometimes you get into your own head, and we we negate to to think about that side as well. They're also humans, right? You miss a couple shots, you get in your own head, and 
you know, that leash gets shorter, the rotation gets shorter. You know, guys are coming in, you lose some rhythm. Guys are going out, you lose rhythm. You gotta have tough mm. skills. You gotta just hoop. You gotta be you gotta be a player. Let's get to some of these uh UFAs, RFAs, players with player options, put it that way. Um, it's kind of everything, actually. Um, let's start with Fred. So Fred's season was fairly up and down, um, at least with the the shooting from a shooting perspective. We know the Raptors were very, very reliant on him to be a high volume and high maker of three point shots, and um, didn't really go that way. I think he had uh, but two months where he shot over thirty six percent, three months rather. Um, the rest um, didn't quite go that way. You think they bring him back? I I, I think you definitely think about it. You definitely consider it, um, and you look at how. It's how does it impact you long term, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's smaller guard. He's getting up in age as well. Like, what are your goals? You got to identify your goals for the next three, four years, yeah. and have a have a vision there for the team, right? Um, because one, you don't want to you don't want to waste his career, his his peak years, and you also don't want to impact your organization, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I. I look at his shooting numbers, like you mentioned, and, you know, I've heard that all season and, you know, a number of people have criticized him, but I also know Fred was one of the skilled guys that you mentioned on this team that was able to keep a, you know, a dribble alive off a ball screen and, 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 and allow, you know, Pirtle, give Pirtle time, have the pace with the ball, keep the ball alive, have, give Pirtle time to roll to the basket, Mm. dump it down to him. Or you know, keep the ball alive and switch, uh, kick it to the weak side. There, he was one of the guys that could get to the rim, often create for himself and get to the rim. Uh, and like you mentioned, you know, the team didn't have many of those, right? So I don't look at this where and it's a, think it's a situation where now nah, Fred didn't shoot the ball well. Well, he's got to go. He's got to hit the road. No, hey, this is where the NBA is right now. Skilled players are a big difference maker in the league. You have one or two more of those around him. You know, what do you, what do you, what are you talking about? And we also, we also have to remember, remember and keep in mind when you give up a player, right? You know, the holes of their game, you know, the, the pros, the cons, you know, the upside, you know, the downside, Hmm. you get a player, you're not getting a perfect player, right? All those players, you know, free agents that you're looking to sign or think you can upgrade to, they come with holes in their games as well. Right. And because we're in market, we're able to identify our players out of market. You don't see those players enough. They're not in practice day in, day out. You don't see them 82 games of the season. You see the highlights. Right. You see the games that you do. watch, And, you know, you go on NBA.com and, you know, so and so had a 30 point game. You watch that game. You watch those highlights. You think, wow, they they play well. You know, that's a good player. Well, you, you don't have enough body of work or research enough or have that investment there to see, okay, where, you know, where does, where can this team not help us or this player not help us? Sure. I wonder what Fred would look like with a reliable backup point guard. You know, I wonder what, what his minutes, what his production, what his shooting would look like. And that hasn't been there for a couple seasons, right? Um, and uh, you look at any traditional team, obviously they have a backup point guard and um, the Raptors have a few in the system, which I'm going to ask you about in a second. But, you know, I wonder how that would have impacted his his season. And when we, ca- when we talk about, you know, future contracts and things like that, the 
Jalen Brunson contract is the one that comes up, right? It was four years, $104 million. And, you know, Fred has reportedly said that he wants to run to 30 million, whatever that happens. Like, we'll see what happens. You got to get that money first from someone before you can get it. Someone's got to offer it to you. Um, at mm-hmm. the same time though, I, I, I do wonder about, you know, how his body is going to hold up. Um, when we did the the pod with uh, Fred and, and CJ on Strictly Hoops, one thing he said he loved about Jeff Devin Jr. He's like, no NBA miles on his body, mm-hmm. right? And Fred has a lot of NBA miles on his body, bro. A lot of minutes. He's He's been one of the consistent uh, leaders among minutes. Uh, miles ran on offense and defense. The dude hustles. He works very hard. And that stuff reflects in your body. I don't doubt that he's going to take care of his body. He's talked about, you know, putting more resources into that to ensure he can last the season. And, you know, to his credit, that Bulls game, he was probably one of their most impactful players, right? When, yeah. it, when it was all said and done. Um, but yeah, I do wonder about, that is how his body is going to hold up and also how it could um how playing alongside scotty barnes how is that going to impact his trajectory because we got to talk about that too yeah i think you know as you get older and you mature you also start to understand your body a bit more right and he's alluded to it as well you know just investing in more resources into his body so that he can you know make it through a season and and I think he's done a good job of that. I think he, he's, I think you've seen that this year, probably, you know, he looked healthier at those points in the season where, yeah. you know, midway, you could tell he was a little slower, but then once you got past that point, there was games where he, he just had a pop in his step. He looked athletic. He was moving and flying around the court. Yeah. I you know, know what you're talking about. Yeah. It was an exploding to the mm. rim. Whereas probably, you know, years past or even last year, you could you could see the, the fatigue later in the season. You could see him exhausted a bit. So I think that's already in place. Uh, yeah. And again, that comes with with age and maturity. When you first get into the league, you know, and and you feel like you're invincible. You're young, right? Your body's different. You could eat anything you want. You could do what you want, huh. and you can perform the same. Yeah. But you start to look around. You're seeing guys that are you know playing 10, 12 years, and you you start to take note of okay, what are they doing, right? my body composition is different from theirs. So you start to invest more in, you know, the, the, the health sciences, the the diet and so forth. And, you know, I think if you're willing to put that in, then there's a return on that investment. So you know, I don't question that about Fred at all, because he's also been a guy from his time at, you know, even with from college at Wichita State, where he's found ways to overachieve and he's found ways to, you know, continue to progress. And yeah. I, I don't think it stops now when you get more mature and there's more on the mm-hmm. line. Heck, he had a he had his a newborn this this season, right? So there's you have a family, you have more mm-hmm. motivation, um, a lot that goes into it. Skill versatility, as you outlined, right? I was talking about that in the Raptors need more of it. He's one of the players that actually does have it. And it may not be something that people really think about with Fred. Um, but he acknowledges too that you know he is pretty versatile in his ability to work from different spots on the court. He can be off ball. He can be on ball. He can run, pick and roll. He can hit the mid range. Um, He can be an off ball cutter. He can just help run your offense. This is the versatility that um, a championship team needs, right? And so he has shown that he can be the sixth man on a championship team, obviously. And now the next level would be being able to do it as a point guard, as a number two or something like that, similar to Pascal Siakam, right? 
he wants to show he can be a, a number one on a championship team. But you you know that those skills are there. And if the Raptors indeed do want to win, and that's something we're going to get to in a second here as well, um, you probably need Fred VanVleet. You probably I, need Fred. I agree. I'm a big Fred, you know, advocate. I endorse. Yeah. You know, because I, I just think he's he's like, he's one of those, he's just solid. Yeah. He's a solid, skilled guy. Um. And you're right. Like, depends on what you have around him. You can alleviate some of the, the pressures or some of the responsibility. Um, he is mm. still a smaller guard, so you know, just getting into the paint, finishing at the paint, um, becomes a bit tougher just yeah. based on on makeup, right? Physical makeup, sure. and then that also impacts your ability to shoot the basketball because mm-hmm. teams are going to run you off the line. Teams are going to be a bit more aggressive and be more conscious of you at the three point line, knowing that you can shoot it. And funneling you in, in turn, you know, positioning you into tougher shots, knowing that you're undersized. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, at the same token, I just think he's one of the guys that's dynamic. Um, yeah. And depending on the pieces that are around him, you get more out of him. Definitely. You know, watching Davion Mitchell guard Steph Curry, I'm like, man, that was that was Fred in 2019 doing that, yeah. moving that way. He can't move the same way anymore. Um, that's where the the miles kind of come into play a little bit, but I mean, there's been a lot of talk about point of attack defense of his specifically within the Raptors system. It's very important point of attack defense, not just like in general, obviously, but with the Raptors system, it is a bit more heightened because of how aggressive they are. And whether you agree with it, I, I personally am not a huge fan of that part of their defensive system, but anyways, um, it's very hard to play point of attack defense in today's NBA. Very, very hard. Everybody gets blown by. Everybody. And it's it's funny because Eric Spolstra, earlier in the year, he had a comment and said that everybody in the NBA is trying to figure out how to play defense right now. Every coach is trying to figure out how to play defense. And you're right, right? There's a lot of rules that have changed and, you know, Mm -hmm. can't have as much contact on on ball and really dictate where the offense goes or be as aggressive on the perimeter there. And then you get these, you know, these these big time dynamic physical um athletic guards that are just, yeah, point of attack blowing by that first line of defense. Yeah. If you don't have a shot blocking presence on that back end or you don't have a a big time rotation, um, everybody on a string, you're you're it's it's curtains, you're dead, right? And that's also sure. why you see these these scores just mm-hmm. inflate, right? You're seeing these one twenties consistently, you're seeing some one thirties and and so forth. But it's it's a lot of that, like that point yeah. of attack. How can you stay in front of somebody? Probably keep it pretty short on Yaka Pertle. Just you have to bring him back, essentially. <laughs> you got to resign him. Yeah. 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 Kind been, of. Because you've gone. So this is the, the big part of it is this. You've gone without a center for so long and he's come in. He's shown. He's proved. He's he's a serviceable, more than serviceable bid. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what he does well is just really facilitates. Right. He's almost an, a, another guard that's on the floor. You know, yeah, you didn't even tap into that completely. Yeah, well, they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's tough to tap into that when you have a guy coming midseason. Oh, but, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so it's it's a bit of you know timing. Now mm. he has the ability. I think it's it's not even a question of if you bring him back. You you kind of have to. There's no choice. Yeah, it's like the money thing. I mean, I would imagine it's somewhere in this fifteen to twenty million range kind of thing. But and some may think that's a bit of a steep price. That's that's kind of the price for a starting caliber center. And everyone wants one. Everyone needs one if you want to make any kind of noise in the NBA. You got to have him. Um and uh, you mentioned like the passing with his like I, I I would like to see how a training camp, a full training camp, preseason, all that stuff. And then you go into that with something that you can 
work with Jakob Pertl. And maybe it's some roster changes. Maybe you have some more moving shooters. Maybe you have some guys who can curl and get to the rim. Like there's something there that uh, with some tweaks to the roster, you could probably use Yak a lot more. Yeah, I, I think he's, again, one of those guys that just a high IQ guy. Um, mm-hmm. And forget on court for a second, how everybody spoke about him in the locker room, right? He was a fun yeah. like, he's funny. We didn't see that on the court. He was always business. <laughs> He was, you know, a, a yeah. locker room guy, funny, you know, changed the mood of the locker room when he when he got here, when he mm-hmm. came back here. Um, and I think that speaks volumes as well because you need you need those pieces as well. So I think his value is far more important in the locker room than it is even on the court. Now, what about Gary? What do you think? You know, Gary was in a in, in an interesting. He had an interesting year, right? Um, He's definitely exceeded his his current contract. That's without a doubt. Um, yep. There was a lot of expectations for him last year. There's a lot of expectations for him this year. He was thrown into the fire. He was taken out of the fire. Um, injuries, uh, and and fortunately not anything major, but just the nagging stuff that kept him out of the lineup. So there was a lot of inconsistencies with him uh, this year. But he's still a, a guy that can shoot the basketball, right? I, I do think there's a lot of development for him in the offseason to become one of those more dynamic guards in this league so he can have more of a if it more of an impact and not just be a uh you know known as a shooter or a spot up guy or get to his you know get into his jump shots because i do think in today's game right he's already giving you you know 15 16 points you add a bit more a bit more wiggle in your you know your game put a bit more handle you can get to the rack and finish a bit better um you know you're talking about a guy that could potentially give you 20 consistently right sure so you know some development for him um again you know i don't i don't think you turn an eye on him i I think it all depends on numbers what the the hell you're trying to do well yeah and numbers too numbers one and what you're trying for all these guys so there's i i personally am not saying no to any of them any of them Mm. i just think you you have to first identify the direction that you're going and Put the pieces to the puzzle that way and i think yeah. you know sometimes we harp on the money but i think there's creative ways and bobby and messiah have done it before to mm. structure con- contracts that you can have all the guys that you want right yeah hey uh, first yeah, you and i wouldn't be able to answer that that's why we're sitting here waiting for a, a messiah <laughs> yeah. you know what direction is the team going just to yeah. know if office coaches on the same page and then you can start to plug and play with with pieces yeah and that's the tricky part. Um, like you look at, you know, the salaries that are coming up this season, then next season with uh, OG is extension eligible this off season. So is Pascal actually. And then you got Scotty Barnes, who's going to be el- eligible next off season. So is this a lot of money? If we're talking about the top six players, like there, you drafted well, you brought in some nice pieces and now they're getting really expensive and they just got to manage that money. And you're right. I'm not smart enough to know how they do that. So I'm just going to leave it there, but I could see why you would bring, all those players back. I think Jakob Pertl is the one that you definitely need to bring back, um, depending on what you want to do for the next two, three years. Fred Van Vliet is a question mark to some degree, and that's where we pivot to uh, Scotty Barnes, maximizing Scotty Barnes. Um, his numbers were very similar to what he produced last season, and there were portions of the year where he was asked to play more point guard. Some of it went well. Other parts didn't. He did eventually uh, – 
you know, rain down on those turnovers. He was a bit more composed with the ball. You love the flashes that you see. You see the creativity in his passing, but within the Raptors, especially with what their vision is, the possession battle is very important. So, you know, can containing the ball and holding on to it is something they put an emphasis on. They were one of the lower turnover teams in the NBA, but at the same time, do you, do you think we're, do you think they're contemplating the idea of like, all right, let's just, let's just take our pieces 24 and under ish, just as a number and let's build from there. So that would mean a Pascal Siakam, a Fred Van Vliet. You kind of say, thank you for your service. You've been terrific Raptors. Maybe your numbers are going to be, hanging in the rafters one day. It's like, but we got to make this pivot because we're not sold on what we have is good for our long-term success. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not from the belief of, you know, no. you blow up anything and start from scratch. I don't think people realize how long it takes to start from scratch. Mm. Uh, and there's still no certainty there. Right. Uh, yeah. you, have, you have really good pieces. You have some some valuable pieces to a team, some teams, some pieces that you could build with, right? Um, so I'm not from that belief at all. Uh, I think again, there's too much uncertainty there that can set your your organization back ten years, you know, twenty years. Yeah. You just don't know what you're going to get. The draft is is a lottery for that reason. It's called a lottery for 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 that reason. Like you mm -hmm. don't know what you're going to get, right? It's a game. It's a gamble. And like yeah. we're seeing today, you're getting guys that are you know, at the back end of a second round that are becoming superstars in the NBA. You're having guys that are undrafted becoming superstars in the NBA. So mm. there's no sure shot or clear cut that, hey, if I get a, a top five pick, you know, this is going to be a cornerstone or franchise guy that can change an organization, right? So if you have the, the ability to build from what you have inside out, I'm sticking with that. I'm also leaning in on developing players, right? Uh, and, and that's what Toronto has to do um it hasn't necessarily been a a free agent landing spot historically right so you still have to develop you still have to draft well um and a lot of that stuff has to be done internally all right so when you when you blow up a team you're banking on two things drafting and there's there's got you have, have to understand the the um the draft pool for the next four or five years to come. And then yeah. you also have to be able to land big time free agents, right? Mm. Again, there's no certainty in, in either. And historically Toronto just hasn't been a landing spot for free agents. This is a completely different country, right? We have to remember that a lot of these guys and drafting them as young as they are, yeah. they don't know much about Canada. It's funny we talk about all this stuff, but had the Raptors had Jakob Hurdle the entire season, they're probably a top six team. <laughs> and they'd be in a playoff series right now. You're That's the funny about, part. Yeah, you're talking about yeah. there's so much, there was so much parody in the league, you know, four or five yeah. games or you know, seven games that actually changes how people perceive you, how other teams perceive you, mm -hmm. how your locker room meshes. Because again, winning solves a lot and it breeds yeah. confidence. It does. Fred said it during his end of season. He's like, you know, we finished 41 to 41. It's like, you guys can probably count 10 games that we probably should have won. I'm like, we probably could actually off the top of our heads, 10 games that you probably should have won. And that's uh, that's a huge difference. That's your record is quite, quite different. All right. So um, as we talk about the Raptors, where they are, say like they bring a lot of these pieces back and we know the flaws. It's bench production. It's shooting. Um, that's kind of the the bigger things right there. And 
I mentioned the backup point guard position. You have Jeff Dowden Jr. still around. They did not um, bring him onto their roster for the playoffs, but he's still there. Malachi Flynn's under contract. Delano Banton is a UFA now. Um, what are we? What are we doing here? You got a lot of players. <laughs> what do you think? Direct boys down to direction again, and, yeah. and what you you know what what you get in this off season. At the same time, you have you know, three backup guards that are all, you know, vastly different. You know, Malachi Flynn, he's more of that a combo type guard um, mm. with smaller frame. We, I don't know, we know, I don't think we know his true potential yet because he really hasn't garnered those minutes and consistently yeah. gotten those. What I will say, he's tough as nails because every time he has got those minutes, he's he's jumped up and he's performed. Um, yeah. And he's come off the bench, you know, sitting 40 minutes and not down two you know, big time threes or just, and and people don't understand how tough that is. Banton, he's obviously still young. Um, I think he has a lot to learn, you know, at six, eight, and he, he just plays up and down. Right. And, yeah, you know, he's, as long as he learns to really gain, you know, that, that experience and that knowledge of how to use his speed, how to use pace. Right. I don't, I still think, you know, he has a, the sky's the limit for him. There's a lot of potential there. And then, Jeff Down Jr., I think he's the, the interesting one because, like Fred mentioned, there's not a lot of miles there. Um, and he's he's really done well in his minutes. He still he's has a backup point guard. Up. He could be a backup point guard. He could there's, be their backup point guard. Yeah. He could. There's there's points where, you know, he has to expand his game and not be a mid-range guy because that's not going to be his role in the, in, in the NBA. You know, I'm just yeah. watching that G League. He, you, he really used this year to expand and get better. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think you can bring all of them back. I don't I mean no, most certainly them, can't. Yeah, most certainly can't. yeah. I mean, two of them aren't like they need contracts, so I guess that's a, a factor. But, um, but between those three, I wonder if someone is kind of given the reins. And direction is obviously a factor in this too. Is like where where the Raptors looking to go? It would be surprising if they decide not to try and win next season. Masai, um, I mean, he believes he's a winner. He's he's, he's a believes. winner. That's what he's about. Right? He's been yeah. clear about that. Yeah. He's but that's, you know, he's going to go on there winning. And, and I, I appreciate yeah. that, especially for our fan base as well, right? They've got accustomed to winning. Mm. They deserve it. Um, it's been great for the city. So yeah. I don't expect anything less. And, you know, if they just like, if they just made a few tweaks in the margins, like you add a few more skill versatile players, like we could be talking about a very different Raptor team. Yeah. Um, from the in the win loss column, like it's it's that small. And Kyle Lowry has always said, like the difference between being good and great, it's not that much, no. right? It really isn't that much. And it could just be a couple of moves here and there, and all of a sudden you're really cooking with something. Um, but we have to wait for Messiah Jerry to speak. <laughs> we have to wait. We have that's to find boss, out. That's the boss, man. That's the yeah, boss. That's it. Um, you got lots of playoff stuff coming, right? Yeah. You're busy. Busy, busy. I st- I'm busy, but I like it. I'm, I'm having fun with it. We're enjoying yeah, a lot of playoffs, good basketball right now, and it's been fun. Awesome. I'm going to be watching lots of those late games tonight. You got, uh, for some reason, the, the, That's the NBA ones I, I can't stay yeah. up as late as you. I have to. I can't. I'm captivated, man. I can't. I can't not look, right? But I don't know why the NBA has the Warriors and Kings and the Clippers and Suns on the same night. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Anyways. Javon, thanks so much, man. Everyone, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, we will be back with you shortly. Masai, please just give us something, bro. Give us something here. Thanks, Javon. Thank you.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.